We are excited today to continue our series. Uh, it's Foundations, and I just wanna give you a quick, like one minute snapshot of what Foundations is. Foundations is uh, a part of our, our mission as a church to help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? That's, that's our mission at Northwood Church. And uh, what we wanna do is help people to uh, know what they believe. Because a lot of people, maybe they, they get right with God or they get saved, they start following Jesus. And a lot of times, uh, that's sort of where their, their growth and their knowledge of what they believe about God sort of ends. For some people, not everybody. Um, or at least they feel like maybe they've arrived, and it's kind of like, hey, from here on out, it's just sort of easy. And just. But how many of you know that whenever you begin to follow Jesus, it's like the, it's like the race has just started? You know what I'm saying? You just started the race. And so what we want to do as a church is, is be a place where people can come to know come to know God, but then they can grow in Christ. And uh, we do something here called Freedom, which many of you know Freedom. And uh, Foundations is uh, kind of a new thing that we're beginning to integrate into that process of discipleship that's gonna work in tandem with Freedom. And so what we're doing is we're walking through that curriculum, uh, and, and many of the sermons that we're teaching, uh, they're, they're going to be teachings for this foundation's class. There's going to be a, a workbook and all sorts of things to be, be going through. And so um, obviously you guys don't have the workbook with you right now because it's... Uh, hasn't been created yet. But uh, I kind of want to let you know that because here's the deal. A, a message like today is going to have a lot of content in it. It's going to be, that's why I'm sitting down. You know, there's going to have a lot of content and it's, there's a lot of logic. It's really more of an apologetic teaching, uh, which what, uh, apologetics are, it's not apologizing because you did something wrong. It's really the, how you make a defense for something that you believe in. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing today and next week uh, regarding the word of God, regarding the Bible. And so if you're, <clears throat> if you're kind of, if, if you like lectures, then today is going to be a, a, a perfect day for you. I'm going to try not to make it so, like, boring college lecture. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make it a little bit of a, a lie for you, but there's a lot of information. But I want to let you know, if you're not that type of person that doesn't really like long-winded, you know, on and on and on, people talking forever and without, like, super funny jokes in between, um, what we're going to be talking about is, is really the lifeblood of what we believe, and these things are extremely important. And I also want to let you know that the things that we're going to talk about today and, and next week in regards to the Word of God, um, our culture is, is really using a lot of these things to attack the validity, the reliability, the authority of the Word of God. And, and some of the things that we're going to talk about is how we know why we believe what we believe is true. And it's how we also can maybe answer some people who have a lot of questions about the things that we're going to talk about. So again, um, if it's kind of like, oh man, information, information, you need to understand the, the power of this information and the, the usefulness of this information in your life and also uh, for, your, for the young people in our, in our church. Like you really need to understand this. And so uh, does that sound good? Pretty good? All right. So week number three, we're going to be talking about the Bible, and this is part one of two teachings. Today, we're going to be dealing with the authority and the function of the Word of God, the Word of God. And so um, Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. That's what we believe. But have you ever wondered if the Bible is actually the Word of God? Okay, now, now when I say Bible, we obviously think of a book like this. And that's true, okay? And when I say word of God, we, we think of a book like this. But, but for, a, for a second, I kind of want you to split those two thoughts apart. There's the Bible and then there's the word of God. There's the, there's the book 
of the Bible, okay, the words that we read, and then there's the word of God. Okay, and, and so again, these things are synonymous in the way that we speak about things nowadays, but, but think about it almost in two different things because it's two different conversations in regards to uh, the authority and the function of the word of God. And, and maybe that'll make sense the longer that we go here today. But, um, but this is a seed of doubt. The, the question of, is the Bible actually the authoritative word of God, is a seed of doubt that, that's been used for many, you know, hundreds of years, obviously. But also, if you go back to the core question, which is, like, what did God really say? Or what does God really say? That goes all the way back to the garden with the serpent, who's always been questioning the word of God. Did God really say that? Like, really? You know what I'm saying? He said, if we eat of this, of this tree, we'll die. Yeah, but did he? Like, die, was that like a metaphor you know, and just undermining. How many of you guys know in the court of law, half the, half the point of that whole thing is just if somebody's trying to defend somebody, it's just insert a little bit of doubt, reasonable doubt. And the enemy does that with great effectiveness with the word of God. And so the question is, how do we know that the Bible is actually the word of God? Well, some people actually don't really think that it's that important. Uh, that the Bible is or is not the word of God. They would say, hey, it's a great book that has a lot of great things that we can shape the way that we live. And so, you know, it's like any other historical book or any kind of book of character, character traits or whatnot, and we should take it for that. But all the weird stuff, all the hard stuff, we can leave that to the side. But the deal is, is that in Christianity, it's not that way. And uh, if you guys remember, uh, a while back we did a series and called Loving Logic, and in that we talked a lot about the Jenga pieces. Right, and we, we said that there's certain, you know, if, if you put a, a Jenga game together, right, you can take certain pieces out, and yeah, it might undermine some of the, the stability of that, you know, the, the tower, but there's always a couple of blocks that if you take that block out, the whole thing's gonna fall apart. And the reality or the idea that the Bible is not the authoritative word of God is one of those pieces. If you take that block out, Christianity crumbles. What we believe crumbles because you have effectively removed any standard. You've effectively, effectively removed even like moral standards, anything. It's all, it's, it all begins to crumble. And many people don't understand how much society has been built on the word of God, on the Bible. They don't understand. I mean, a lot of, obviously, you know, in America, a lot of our laws and things have been, have been created out of the word of God. But there's a lot of things in our culture, the way that we look at one another, the fact that people have value. You think that just came from us in and of ourselves that humans just created that thought process? No. There's a whole lot of people that we know about who don't think that people have value, right? But the word of God says we do. And, and, and so, so, so the Bible being the word of God is, is a massive deal. Wayne Grudem says this, the authority of the scripture means that all the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. And so th that's where you start saying, okay, the words of the Bible being the word of God. And if you disbelieve a word in the Bible, uh, a, a, a topic or a, a principle in the word of God, it's not just you're disobeying the Bible. It's you're disobeying God. See that? So when people split these things apart, people can kind of decide to follow one or the other. And it's like, it's the same thing. Okay, so let's keep digging in. 
So the question is, how do we know that the Bible is actually the word of God? Well, if you go to John chapter one, verse one, this is one of those main verses of scripture that speaks about this, but it, it talks about the word. And we're, we're gonna read the scripture and then we're gonna kind of open it up a little bit and talk about what this word, word means, all right? It says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So a few things about the scripture, we see that it's, uh, the word here is speaking of Jesus, all right, the second person of the Trinity. And it says that Jesus existed in eternity past and that he is the very word of God. All right, now the fact that Jesus has existed in eternity past is a, is, a, is a large part of what we believe, obviously. Jesus is not a created being, all right? He's, he's not the brother of Satan, all right? There's all sorts of, of ideas and belief systems that people have. No, Jesus is God and he has always been, okay? So he was in the beginning and, uh, and, and that's what we believe. And so, but if we look at this word, word, it's kind of hard to delineate that. If we define the word, um, word, 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 <laughs> you know, is it word is, bird is a word, something like that? Squirrel, you know, that kind of came out of <laughs> What does this word mean? So let's define it. This word comes from the root word logos, uh, which is the root word for logic, which I think is extremely important. Okay, and, and you'll see as we begin to define this word more, but it's so much bigger than just logic. And honestly, English struggles to explain the scope and the sequence of what this word means. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible was not written originally in English. All right, and so there's a lot of things that in translation, we don't really completely understand the full scope of it. I heard someone talk about reading the Bible in Hebrew and Greek versus English, and they said, you know, English is, is great, but, I mean, he's a, a scholar, you know, speaks multiple languages, way smarter than me, you know, and uh, I was listening to him talk, and he was talking about this, and he said, you know, reading Hebrew and Greek, uh, you, you understand so much more, you see the depth of, you see a higher resolution image, basically, of, of the Bible whenever you read it in that way. And so, uh, so here we are, and, and, and that's why we go back to the Greek and the Hebrew, but a lot of times people kind of get bored with that. They're like, oh, here we go again. Here's the Greek definite, uh, just tell me the main thing. Uh, we just read this and we say word, and we're thinking a word, like a part of speech. This word represents something much bigger than that. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek to sort of blow it up for just a second, but I would say you can go and you can do some research and you can watch some lectures where people blow it up even further. They spend hours talking about what this word, word means. And so, so anyway, <clears throat> what it, uh, it includes all of these meanings, okay? It, uh, it describes many different aspects of God. And it, it, it describes the mind and the thoughts of God, the wisdom or the reason of God, the will of God, the power of God. How many of you guys, when you begin to talk about the word of God and God speaking, you're, you're speaking about the power of God, you're speaking about the authority of God, the truth of God, the revelation of God, uh, the, the invitation for, from God for us to know him. All right, his word brings that. Uh, it's his message, his plan, his promise. 
A lot of times whenever we sing songs about the promises of God, we're singing about the word of God, the authority of God. All of these ideas are wrapped up in word. And again, that's a very quick, small summary of that, but, but it, it blows up into this whole thing. In the beginning, the mind of God was there. The thoughts and the mind of God is what created all that we see. The word of God, his promise. And ultimately, the body of God, Jesus, who is the revelation of God, is the word of God. So when you read this, this verse here, you can see all of these ideas compressed together and revealed to us in the person of Jesus. God became flesh, right? And came to us, the revealed word of God. And so these words are, uh, are important to discover and to, to understand and to continue to, to dwell on um, not just to hear a message like this and then skip a rock to the next thing. I would highly encourage many of you to go and, and do some study on this portion, but we believe that this word has a lot of weight to it. So with that, how do we know that the Bible is actually the word of God? Word meaning all of these things. How do we know that the Bible contains the word, the authority, the plan, the message, the wisdom, the reason of God? Well, I wanna take you on a little bit of a, like a, a logical uh, process here. Number one, the Bible contains the words and works of Jesus, whom we believe is God, okay? Now, we talked uh, pretty extensively on this in our who is, uh, who is Jesus. I don't know if y'all remember our series we did, what do you believe about the, the Bible? What do you believe about Jesus? Uh, we did a whole series, what do you believe? And in it, we talked about who is Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus is God, which again is it's one of these. All right, you take, you take the fact that Jesus is God away, you, you take away a lot of things of what we believe about the word of God and uh, many uh, pillars in Christianity. But, but the Bible contains the words and the works of Jesus, okay? So therefore, the Bible contains the words and works of God in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where we see, uh, come on, y'all, the words in red. All right, we see the words and the works of Jesus, who is God. So therefore, these books contain the, uh, the, 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 the words and works of God. Number two, since we believe that Jesus is God and his words and works are in the Bible, then we believe that the words that are in the Bible contain the authority of God. You see the train there? Nope. Missed it. Number one, the Bible contains the words and works of Jesus, who is God. Number two, since the Bible contains the words and works of Jesus in the Bible, right? Since then, we believe that the words that are in the Bible contain the authority of God because God is authoritative, right? He carries all authority. So the words and the, and the, the deeds of Jesus that are captured in scripture contain the wisdom, the mind, the works of God contains the authority of God. Since we believe that Jesus is God and has all authority, then we must also believe that his words are authoritative. And so we must believe everything that he says in and about the Bible, our scripture, the word of God. Ray Steadman says this, the authority of the Bible rests squarely upon the authority of Jesus Christ himself. Where does the authority of the word come from? From Jesus, who is God. 
This is, this is, first off, if you start here, this is why we hold in such high esteem and we have such value on the Bible. It's not just a collection of books that were haphazardly put together and contain some, you know, questionable concepts and some ideas that might translate to culture nowadays, but if it doesn't really transfer to culture, then it has no value. That's not how we view the word of God. We think it is authoritative. Jesus himself affirmed not only his authority, but also the authority of the Old Testament scriptures as the word of God. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John contain the authority of, of, of Jesus, right? He affirms the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures that we have today. He affirmed them. If you read in uh, Luke chapter 24, it's uh, on the, the road to Emmaus. This is where the setting is. And he said, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, all right, our Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the, thing, the things concerning himself. Now, if you had to ask me, Jordan, which like, teaching from Jesus do you wish, wish that you could hear? This right here. I wish that I could hear Jesus elaborate. For how long? Was it like an hour? Was it five minutes? Was it six hour walk? I don't know. But to hear Jesus walk through all the scriptures and reveal himself in the law and the prophets. It's beautiful. But when Jesus says that, what I see him say is, this is legitimate. <laughs> the Old Testament is not just the Old Testament to discard and put away. It is alive, it is the holy scriptures of God, the way that God decided to reveal himself throughout history, right? And so there's value in the Old Testament. Jesus gives his authority, his stamp of approval, right? His affirmation of the Old Testament. Ray Steadman also said this, we need only to read the New Testament to see that the Lord Jesus cast the mantle of his authority over all of the Old Testament and by anticipation over all of the new. So we know that the gospels are the word of God because the words and works of Jesus are written there. We also know the Old Testament is the word of God because Jesus confirms this in the gospels. But how do we know that the rest of the New Testament is also the word of God? Uh, what you'll hear a lot of people say nowadays is there's just a bunch of guys that just begin to write books and people who just were concerned with power structures and whatnot took those books, put them together and have used them as a sledgehammer on people for many, many years, which completely strips the, word, the, the Bible as the word of God of any authority, of any value. It humanizes it. It brings it down to the, just basically just another historical book that again can be kind of shrugged off we don't believe that, but how do we know that there's authority in the other, other scriptures? Um, well, the words of the apostles, which are the early church leaders, the words of the apostles who wrote the New Testament are founded on the authority of Jesus. And I want to start by reading Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right. We just said that. All authority is, Jesus is, is, is claiming this. All right. 
Then he says, go therefore and make disciples. So he says, I have authority and now I'm giving you authority to take what I've taught you, to take that and to go and to teach and to disciple and to to send this message out all over the world. Don't stop, continue to make disciples of this truth that I've given you. So he gives authority to these men to go and to write books and to pen letters that are sent to the church all right, this is the beginning of the church and the apostles are given this authority. So if we, we look at this, we, I brought a picture for you. It's a, kind of a flow chart for you visual people out there. And these are the New Testament books and the authors of those books. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's like, what is the train of thought in regards to who authored what books and, and in what authority did they write these books? Well, if you look here, obviously Jesus here in Matthew 28 is giving authority to, uh, to the apostles to go and to teach. And obviously one of the greatest ways that you can teach is to write, right? To write things down, to organize belief systems and doctrines and thought processes. You write, you, you, you organize your thoughts. And so, and then, then of course you give books. And man, if you really want somebody to understand something, what do you do? Hey man, I read a book and we can have a conversation about it, but you just need to go read it. It's one of the best ways to learn. Nowadays, books are kind of being replaced with videos and, uh, and there's value to that, but whenever you have a, an attention span of about 30 seconds, uh, it's hard to compress gigantic ideas into 30 seconds, just like it's hard to compress what we're talking about today into about 35 minutes. It's actually impossible, but everything is like that. So in a culture where people are not really concerned with going deep, what you have is a lot of thin shallow roots in a lot of different beliefs. And that's why we can easily be uprooted in our faith if our, if our roots aren't deep. That was a little side note. Anyway, all right. So we see here Jesus, he gives his authority in Matthew 28 to Matthew and Jude and James and, and John. John wrote first, second, third John in Revelation, right? Uh, he gives authority to Peter, right? Now, now Peter is the same guy that denies Jesus, okay? And then a few days later, Jesus restores him and he ends up being one of the, you know, one of the main leaders in the church in the, in the, in the, the starting off in the process of the church being birthed. And so, which I think is amazing, but you got Peter. Now you got Paul. Now Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You can see the books that he's written there on the side. And Paul in Galatians chapter one talks about how Jesus revealed himself to him through, through, a, through a revelation. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great story. You should go read Galatians chapter one and kind of get Paul's take on, on what Jesus spoke to him. But also Peter affirms Paul. He, he affirms him in second Peter. He affirms the, the, the authority of Paul. And these guys were, they worked in tandem with each other. And so Paul's writings are not just some random guy that just decided to show up on the scene and write some books. And somebody said, yeah, let's just throw these in here too. No, Paul was legitimate. And he's affirmed. He, he, he has a, uh, an incredible story. And if you don't know it, you begin to read your word a little bit more. All right? But he is an authority in the Bible. And so uh, Paul describes the revelation of the gospel he received from Jesus in Galatians 1. He's affirmed by Peter. And, uh, and then number three, you see Mark there underneath Peter. Mark was the apostle that Peter passed on the reports, on reports of the words and works of Jesus to. It's a record of Peter's apostolic testimony. And Mark was also involved with Paul in ministry at times. So these guys are given authority by Jesus to write what they have been uh, taught, 
All right, and, and if you have any questions about Paul, you had Peter right on the side of him who was with Jesus, who was also a, a balance, if you like, to the things that, that, that Paul would say. And then you have Luke. Luke traveled with Paul and wrote the books of Luke and Acts. In Luke, in the beginning, you can see how he describes how he wrote the book of Acts. It was all eyewitness accounts. These are the scriptures that we have in the New Testament. And this, for us, is kind of how we see the authority of Jesus given to men to write the word of God that we have today. Again, not random ideas just thrown together, but sanctioned ideas, right? By Jesus himself, who is God. And so we believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God and therefore is the reliable truth for our lives and is a gift to all people. Now next week, we're gonna talk about the reliability of the Bible. And that's a little bit more having to do with historical evidence, manuscript evidence, some of those other kind of more tangible ideas that, that people are, are, you know, geographical things, right? Um, it's a, how could I put it? Again, in the same way that what we've talked about today is a deep well, it is the same thing on that side. And for many of you who are, have a lot of concerns about the reliability of the word of God, I'll say this, if you Google and you YouTube search these things, you are going to find a plethora of opinions and ideas and angles on everything that we're speaking about today. And sometimes, put it this way, you will be able to find whatever you wanna find. All right, just put it out there. You need to know that young people, as you scroll through TikTok, you are going to see a lot of stuff and you're gonna hear a lot of arguments and it's going to sound very, very, it's gonna sound reasonable, it's gonna sound factual and especially when people say it with a lot of confidence, it's like, how can I rebut that? You know what I'm saying? Um, I wanna encourage you as, you as you search and as you research to understand that, that, that there is evidence to support the validity and the reliability of scripture. So if you hear the zingers know that there's another zinger. You know what I'm saying? But in the, same way that the, in the same way that the book that we're talking about, there's a lot of apologetic and uh, reasonable, uh, even physical ways of looking at proving that the Bible is real. I wanna let you know that the Bible is not just a book, like just paper, it is a spiritual book. It is alive. The Bible talks about this, the, the word of God is alive. It, when you read the word of God, it reads different. It, it just reads different than other books, even other religious books. You take someone's personal revelation that is extra biblical, and you read that, and then you read the word of God, it carries a different weight. And for those who are in Christ, Christians, there's a discerning mechanism in your spirit that as you begin to read, you're like, hmm, what is that? Now, a lot of people don't have that. And I'm not talking about some sort of Gnostic thing. I'm talking about the spirit of God in you that guides you into all truth and also guides you away from untruth, okay? From lies, okay? And, and, and so, you know, it's also why we need community. It's why we need teachers of the word of God, all right? to be able to hear and to weigh and to compare and to study properly 
to be able to actually search the scriptures. We actually talk a little bit about this in our, uh, our podcast this past week that we, we, we speak about this. It's what we are in, we're in a battle, okay? We're in a battle in a lot of different fronts. And one of the fronts that we're talking about is the reliability of the scripture. So here's the deal. There's the authority of the word of God and then there's the function of the word of God. What does the word of God do in us and through us? Well, number one, the primary thing that the word of God does, the main function of the Bible is that the scriptures revealed Jesus. All right? <laughs> the scriptures reveal Jesus. It's like the book of Revelation. Did you know that the book of Revelation is about Jesus? It's not revelations of the end times, right? It's it's revelation of Jesus. When I was, and I've said this story before, but it's my story, so I'm gonna say it again. (laughs) When I was, I think I was like in seventh grade, eighth grade, somewhere up in there, um, we uh, we had chapel at school. And uh, Brother Paul, Brother Paul Alonzo, he was a worship pastor here for many years. First name, brother, last name, Paul, by the way. Right. Um, he began to teach in chapel and he took multiple weeks and he read through the book of Revelation. Okay, y'all, kindergartners through seniors. <laughs> A dynamic message for the kids, right? And he read through Revelation and I, I was like locked in. Actually, the whole school was locked in to someone standing up there and not adding a bunch of extra ideas. I'm talking just reading it. And I remember whenever we completed, and he completed reading that book, that my faith in Jesus was encouraged. Now, what's weird about that is that a lot of times when you hear people talk about Revelation, they're talking about certain angles on the book of Revelation, right? And they're not usually, unfortunately, talking about Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? They're not talking about the main point. And I remember at that, at that time in my life, I was like, you know, reading the word of God, it encourages you in a lot of different ways. But number one, it, it, it encourages your faith in Jesus. It reveals Jesus. So if you're struggling with who Jesus is, you can go read a lot of people's opinions about Jesus. Just go read the word of God, which is the revealed word of God who is Jesus in the flesh, right? Go read the word of God. It reveals Jesus. John 5 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So many people are looking at the scriptures from one angle and he's like, I mean, especially here, Jesus is like, I am the word. You're searching the scriptures for all these other ideas. Come to me, the author of all of these things. The well of life, if you, you know what I'm saying? The scriptures reveal Jesus. Number two, the scriptures build character. Reading your Bible regularly opens up your life for God to prune out parts of your life in order to make room for growth. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. But abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
The Bible, abiding in Jesus, produces fruit in our lives and, and, and produces fruit in our lives in regards to character formation. Reading the word of God is the same thing. It's abiding in Jesus and it produces fruit in our life. It, it transforms you. We, we've spoken about this in the last couple of, year, uh, couple of weeks. Well, also years. Uh, <laughs> the Bible transforms your thinking and you conform your will to what the word of God says. Number, the next thing is that the scriptures bring spiritual maturity. The growth we experience as a Christian is all for growing in righteousness. In other words, to become more like Jesus. The Bible is the best tool we have to correct and keep us on course. Hebrews says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. Obviously, he's not talking about a physical child. He's talking about in your spiritual walk with God that you're still an infant, you're still a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, we just talked about that, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And then chapter one, verse six says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He's not saying forget about the elementary things of God. He's saying, let's, let's go to the next grade. You've been in third grade for five years, all right? It's time to go to fourth. Grow. That's what this is talking about. And reading the word of God brings spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. If you've been walking with God for many, many years and you feel like your growth in Christ is stunted, I guarantee you one of the reasons is because you're not in the word of God. I would be highly surprised. If you're like, man, I've been reading, I've been studying, I've been, I'm, you know, it's just not there. For, for most people, they're weak in their faith because they're not actually reading the word of God. They're not growing because they're not reading the word of God. And that's the last thing, is that the scriptures impart faith. That's called thunder. All right? <laughs> Thunders, everybody's like, Hoo! Yeah. Makes for a beautiful Sunday afternoon nap. Actually, of all Sundays for it to rain, this is the perfect day for it to rain. This is it. Come on, man. I'm gonna be comatose in a couple hours on that couch. <laughs> and it's the last round of the players today, and so uh, you need some coffee. Make it through that, and then I'll crash. Well, no, then we got group. I can't smash. Can't, can't, can't crash. All right. So the last thing is that the scriptures impart faith. All right. So the more of God's word that is in us, the stronger our faith will be. Romans says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If your faith is weak, then there has to be, there's, there's a reason behind that. And again, in the same way that somebody is not growing, if your faith in Christ is struggling, probably in some way, shape, or form, it's also because there's a lack of the word of God in your life. Not always. I will say this. Many times we go through seasons where our faith is struggling. There's doubt and then there's unbelief, right? And, and I want to say this to those of you who may be struggling with doubt. Uh, first off, we all struggle with doubt. 
It's part of our walk, right? We have doubts in a lot of things. We do. No, I'm 100% sure. Are you? Are you, are, you, are you really? I mean, I'm 100% sure that I'm sitting on a stool right now. Unless you get really weird in like the quantum realm and stuff. And it's like, is it, am I really? I mean, scientifically, actually, I'm not touching the stool. You know, there's space between the atoms. And so technically, you know, <laughs> you, start getting, you start getting really weird with it. But, but it's true. Okay. Anyway, that's like, that's... <laughs> That right there, that's a, that's a road we don't need to go down right now. The space between. But where was I going with that? <laughs> My brain literally was like, actually, there's a lot of truth there. We could talk about that for a while. No, 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 no. It's, it's uh, foundations. All right. We're going to have a booklet. We can't have that in a booklet. We can't, no, we can't do that. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. And if you believe what we said earlier, that the word of God, that the Bible is the word of God, the authoritative word of God, and you believe that it carries the authority of the word of God, it carries the presence of God, it carries the plan of God and the wisdom of God. And so all of these things encourage you in your faith. And if you're struggling with doubt, keep moving forward. Don't give up, okay? Don't get condemned that you're in unbelief. The, the walk, our walks with God, we struggle, we go through seasons, and we go through seasons of doubt. I go through seasons of doubt. There's things I'm not 100% on, but I continue to trust God. I continue to believe that his word is true, his spirit is real, that he's with us, and he's gonna continue to guide us. Amen? So as we wrap up today, uh, we're not gonna teach on this today, but I do wanna point you in a certain direction because as the word of, all the things that we just said, there's the authority of the word of God, there's the function of the, of the word of God, there's also the study of the word of God. And today, I'm, I'm not gonna teach on the study of God, but I wanna I I push you to a, a video that you can go watch. We spoke in devotions, in our series in devotions, the first week, we talked for the first you know, maybe first 50% of that message, maybe even 75% of that message, we talked about studying the word of God. We talked about tools of how to study the word of God. And we even through that series gave examples of how to read scripture, different questions to ask and different things to, to how to research the word of God. Because I know for some people, they're a little bit nervous to go deeper into the word of God because they're scared that if they read the word of God incorrectly, that they're going to then believe incorrectly. And so what people then begin to do is they say, I'm just gonna go to someone who knows, right? And what that typically looks like is either a service like this or a YouTube video of who knows, <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff on, on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, but, but, and what happens is we offload the responsibility to our own, of our own growth. We offload it on someone else. And it is different to learn from someone else than it is to learn for yourself and to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, okay? And I'm not talking about crazy revelations that don't align with the word of God. I'm, I'm, but the, God has a way of revealing himself to you. And it's not spooky, it's not strange. When, when it happens, you know. And, and, but we need tools in order to read the word of God properly in context, you know, in balance, so we don't begin to kind of interpret things in a strange way. But y'all, you gotta get your feet wet. You gotta begin to step out into the waters. You gotta begin to grow. You can grow. You have the ability in and of yourself. God has given you the mental capacity to learn and to grow, and, and he'll meet you there, all right? 
So again, you can go on YouTube, you can look up, uh, if you go to our page uh, on YouTube, our channel, you can look up Devotions Week 1. Let's go ahead and stand on our feet. Because what we're going to do is we're going to pray, but then we're also going to sing together. We're going to sing about the authority of Jesus. Lord, we, we, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can trust in your word, that we can trust in the authority of the Bible. And God, I pray that for us, whether we are struggling with that today or whether this is something that we really do believe, we do really do trust in, but we might have questions. Lord, I'm praying that as we go on this journey and as we continue to grow, God, I'm praying that you would meet us wherever we are at. God, I pray that as we read your word, that you would reveal Jesus to us to a greater level. God, that you would uh, give us uh, knowledge and understanding. God, that, that through your word, that you would continue to form our character, that you, would, that you would mature us. Lord, if we've been stuck in a certain place for a long time, God, that you would, by your grace, God, that you would encourage and, and challenge us and push us forward to know more about you. Lord, if we're trapped in fear that we might do it wrong or study wrong, God, I pray that you begin to give us wisdom in that area, that you, God, help us to utilize the tools that you've given us to study your word. We thank you, God, that in the time that we live, we have access to the word of God, that we have access to the Bible, that we can read it as we please and we can study to know you. And God, I pray that today you would give us a revelation of the authority of your word. God, today, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.